Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Andy Mitz. I am joined today by just one guest. Uh, we have Grad tonight. Grad, how how you doing? Terrible. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Obviously, anyone who paid any attention over the weekend knew that it was not a good Saturday for the uh, Kansas Athletics. So, um, but obviously, the big story to talk about would be Kansas getting absolutely destroyed by Central Michigan, a Central Michigan team that honestly had no business coming in here and dominating Kansas the way that they did. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, Grad. I'm just going to let you go ahead and talk about your, uh, your big takeaways. What is it that annoys you the most about this? I'm just going to let you have at it. Go ahead. You know, to be honest with you, I think it's a, it's a new low. Uh, it's, it's just straight up a new low. I mean, the last, I say that because, you know, I, I think for the first time in a few years, there was a little bit more expectation going into the season that, hey, no, I don't think anyone's expecting a bowl game, but maybe we won't be terrible. I mean, maybe we won't be really effing bad. And the last two years, I mean, Beatty's first season, we didn't win a game. And most people will go, wow, they went 0-12. You can't, you literally cannot do worse than that. At the same time, I mean, no, the scholarship situation is a mess. Um, old Chaz decided to, you know, dig us into the worst freaking hole possible before we kicked his fat ass out of town. And so, okay, we go 0-12. Well, everyone's young. Everyone's getting better. We're playing a true freshman at quarterback and Ryan Willis, whatever. Last year comes along. Hey, we won the opener, even though it was against pretty much almost the equivalent of a high school team. Great. Uh, we won a game. Yay. 
and the season starts going along, and even though there's moments of frustration, there's at least, you know, a few things on the way, like, wow, we almost beat TCU, and hey, uh, every now and then we aren't that terrible. And then, oh, my God, we beat Texas. And even though Texas wasn't that good and had pretty much quit on their coach, okay, we've gone, you know, it's a two-win improvement. We beat a league team. It's a little bit of progress. All of a sudden, you come into this season, it's year three, and beating a a bad MAC team at home should be expected. (laughs) It's just – it should flat out be an expectation. I mean – there were some people, some of my friends I talked to were even like, I don't expect this game to be close from a perspective that, you know, KU should honestly probably go out and win this game by 17, 20, you know, maybe even more. And we just got destroyed. <laughs> I mean, so when you factor in that it's year three of baby, I mean, this, this to me is the lowest point given that there's actually a few more real expectations than, I, then I don't even I don't even know because it's been so horrible for the past several years. But you know there are some excuses here and there. Well, oh it's Charlie Weiss's first year. He's got to dig out of the hole Gill left, and then oh, it's David Beatty's first year. He's got to dig out of the hole that Weiss left, and then well it's, it's Beatty's second year, so they're still digging. Like when are we going to stop digging out of freaking holes <laughs> and actually you know just stop making excuses and own up to it and say. You know what? We're not digging out of a hole anymore. We just freaking suck. Period. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, well, so and so coach left us with this. So and so coach didn't do this. Oh, we, we didn't have enough depth here. Like, just stop making the excuses. And just, can you fancy to stop making excuses about who's left someone in a situation and just say, we suck? How can we move on and stop with all the excuse making? That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I don't know how much there's left to say. Are we good? No. No. <laughs> but no, I mean, really, you know, going through this and watching that game, I ended up having to turn it off after the third quarter. I just, I mean, I couldn't keep watching it. I haven't felt as bad watching a KU game as I did watching that very first game that Turner Gill had where we lost, I believe it was like 6-3 to three or some ridiculous score like that, um, where we realized that – Oh, yeah. Yeah, North Dakota State. Yeah. Right, yeah, North Dakota State. I believe it was – I mean, it was a really low-scoring game. It was just absolutely horrible. That, I think that had been kind of the low point for me, and this was a lot worse. I mean, this was a game – yeah, I wasn't expecting us to go and blow out Central Michigan. Uh, you know, I didn't think that they looked – or they were going to be as bad as they looked against Rhode Island. And honestly, I was concerned that we weren't going to be as good as we looked against, uh, you know, against SEMO last week. Um, just because I had gotten used to, you know, getting disappointed as a KU football fan. Um, But I didn't expect it to be anything like that. I mean, our offensive line just had absolutely no push, was not able to stop anything that they wanted to do. Um, Bender was making horrible mistakes, but a lot of that was just fact he had absolutely no time, had to make a quick throw, you know, and and obviously his – he his throws weren't accurate, but he really had no time to sit there and, and find an accurate throw. He started to get better as he started to get quicker and was able to make decisions and wasn't necessarily looking for his offensive line in the second half. But even then, it was still really bad play all around by the entire offense. And the fact is, this year, our defense has regressed horribly. 
mean, I know, I know I was talking after that first week about the, you know, this, there's a lot of raw potential, um, you know, and they just need a lot of experience, but even I wasn't expecting it to go that bad. Um, they just looked completely lost out there. Our defensive line couldn't really get any push. Joe Deneen did fairly well from, you know, his linebacker spot, but there really just was, you know, there, there was a few guys that were doing pretty well, um, but nowhere near the level that we have, have come to expect from that defense. There's been a lot of talk on the site, and, and you know, I think everybody's just kind of shocked that we didn't really talk too much yesterday, Sunday, about the game. But uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what what is causing this defense to regress. And I'm starting to buy into the chatter that, you know, Bowen has never really been that great of a defensive coordinator. He's just been fortunate to have guys overachieve in this in the system that he's put in. Um, he's terrible. He, he's, I mean, let's 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 again, like, don't you know? There's no need to sugarcoat things here. He's not good. He's not good. I I can give you a very very track a clear track record of him not being good. Kansas football goes to the Orange Bowl has a top 10 defense, one of the best defenses in the nation. I mean, every time people talk about the Orange Bowl, racing and, you know, all, all, it's, it, and everyone wants to talk about the offense. The defense is the reason they made the Orange Bowl. Oh, okay, you had, like, a, a couple a couple games that year where they didn't even score 20 points and they still won. I mean, who in the Big 12, <laughs> you, you, know, scored, you know, wins a game scoring less than 20 points? It's very, very rare, and it's been that way for years. The, the defense was amazing, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden Bowen takes over, and, yes, they lost two very important players, uh, and, you know, in Tlaib and McClinton, the de- defensive tackle. But still, if you if you return nine out of 11 players, even if you lose two very good players, you're still returning nine out of 11. And, and, and those nine players are all getting, you know, a year older. And our defense next year is terrible. I mean, <laughs> it went from, I mean, losing two guys all of a sudden does that when everyone else returns? How? And then after that, there's nothing. There's nothing but crap. He's not. There's, there's just bad defense after bad defense. And the one year, everyone's like, oh, that one year where you know our defense was sort of okay, which I believe it was the year where where Weiss got let go, and then he was the interim coach for a while, they still weren't that good. I think they were still ranked like 60-something or 70-something in the country. And there were guys on that defense that are that are in the NFL right now. I mean, Shepard's playing for the Eagles, or has. I mean, there were NFL, he's had NFL talent on his defense, and the defense was still terrible. So why, why, does, why does anyone think that this guy should be a defensive coordinator in the Big 12? And again, it's oh, because he, he went to Kansas, and he loves Kansas, and oh my God, you know, and he he was a Mangino assistant, and he he was around when they were good, and he went to Kansas. So, what? The, how does that outweigh the fact that his defenses have performed like absolute crap every time he coaches them? It, it shouldn't, but but for some reason, there's still people making the excuses. Well, you know, he he lost his defensive backfield. He lost all these good players. We don't have Fish Smith, Smith in our safety. Well, isn't it also kind of Bones' responsibility to be recruiting good players to the team so that when we lose seniors, he can go, well, guess what? I've got a couple young guys ready to step in, and they might not be as good, but 
they'll get there and there won't be that much of a drop off. He's he's terrible. I mean, everyone's everyone's saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe Missouri fired their defensive coordinator after two games." Why aren't we? <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost just as bad. We just gave up 45 points to Central Michigan at home. I, I mean, their quarterback. Literally, I mean, it literally looked like it was a video game, and the person playing the video game was on like rookie level difficulty. It was playing Central Michigan. I mean, in fact, you know, I take it back. You could take the best NCAA video game player, let them be Central Michigan, and play Kansas on the difficulty of rookie, and I promise you they would not put up the same passing numbers that their quarterback just put up against us in real life. I think that's taking it a little too far, but the point is still valid that, you know, it was absolutely atrocious. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I play, I'm nowhere near the best video game, and you know, player, and I can put up, you know, 90 points on a, uh, you know, and, and tons of passing and all of that, but that's just kind of the nature of the way the video games work. So, but I mean, yeah, it was absolutely inexcusable. I think what we're coming finally to realize is that despite having, or the success we had last year, um, especially individually for these guys, has been despite what Bowen is, has been doing on defense. Um, you know, I was I was always willing to kind of give him a shot because our defense has been at least mediocre and, you know, had been showing sign of improvement and, you know, decided that it wasn't the biggest issue, so let's not focus there. But at this point, you know, the defense has regressed horribly. We are still getting really good performances from guys like Daniel Weiss, Lawrence Armstrong, and Joe Deneen and Mike Lee, and it's not making a bit of a difference. Um, you know, at this point last year, I think we had enough talent to overcome the deficiencies we had in scheme. And this year we just, we don't have anyone with enough experience um, in that secondary other than, well, even Mike Lee, I don't think has the kind of experience you need to kind of o- to overcome just the issues that we have on defense schematically. And I don't know that there's anything that we can do at this point um, you know, other than getting rid of Bowen, that is going to improve it. And honestly, I don't know if at this point even getting rid of Bowen is going to improve it this year. Um, I, I do think unless there's a drastic change and it turns out that the Central Michigan game was just like an aberration, just a horrible game, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any way that Bowen stays after this year. If he does stay after this year, then, you know, there's uh, all kinds of issues we have to deal with. Um, and then, you know what, I think this is going to transition kind of into the next topic. I've been seeing all kinds of chatter about how we need to fire Zinger, we need to fire Beatty, we need to fire a bunch of people. Um, first of all, it, I mean, obviously you're on board with firing Bowen at this point. What about the other guys? And is there anything that we can see out of them from this point forward that would save it, you know, save their jobs for them at this point? Well, before I'll, I'll list reasons why we need to fire everyone else, um, you know, just a reminder, the defense was terrible last year. Uh, okay, I've got the schedule right here. We gave up 43 points to Memphis, 55 points to Texas Tech, 49 points to Baylor, 44 points to Oklahoma State, 56 points to Oklahoma, 48 points to West Virginia, uh, 34 to K-State. The only, I mean, we gave up 31 to Iowa State, okay. I mean, Iowa State wasn't really that good last year. Obviously, there was the Texas win where we only gave up 21, but I mean, how many times? I mean, they had several turnovers. Um, 
and then obviously the the TC your game. But I mean, look at 43, 55, 49, 44, 56, 48. Now, to be fair with those, a lot of those games were actually fairly close and decently low scoring until about midway through the third quarter. And then the fact that our offense couldn't stay on the field for more than a minute at a time, you know, you could make the argument, you could feed the narrative that the defense played decently and then just completely wore out because they were on the field pretty much the entire game. And that's when all the stats, the stats got racked up on them. Yeah. But I mean, at, at the same time, I mean, I've, I've seen, well, I've seen KU football teams, you know, have almost just as bad of offenses and still the defense kept them in the game. I mean, we, we beat Missouri my, my sophomore year in college, and we had a 6-3 lead with like four or five minutes to go in the game. And then finally, by the grace of God, scored a touchdown to put it away. But, I mean, it's, it's happened before. I mean, there's, there's, there's circumstances at play here. But my point is, you know, it's not like we were holding guys to other teams to, you know, 20 to 30 points every game. I mean, well, Right, but to be fair, even in that one Missouri game you're talking about, it's not like the offense, you know, was on the field for a minute. They had long, sustained drives. They just couldn't finish off the point. And so the defense got a decent amount of rest. Now, seeing the performance this year and the fact that nothing's really changed, and, you know, that offense was actually able to stay on for a decent amount of time, um, especially when we got into the second half, and the defense still wasn't really able to do anything to stop them. Uh, and so, I mean, I think that kind of fights against that narrative a little bit, that maybe it's really just we had some good – you know, individual performances that got recognized nationally. I mean, Pro Football Focus had at least one Kansas player on their national team um, almost every week last year. And it was because, you know, Daniel Wise or Dorrance Armstrong or Fish Smithson were going crazy. And, I mean, even on a bad defense, you can have a couple guys that are playing phenomenal, and the, the, the defense is still absolutely horrible. And that's what we had last year. And it allowed a lot of KU fans to kind of talk themselves out of realizing just how bad our defense was, just how bad the scheming was, and just how bad we were going to be this year when we were losing all you know, that, that all that experience that we had. And so, I mean, I, I can I can understand why people maybe weren't necessarily, you know, in tune with this last year. Um, but this year there's yeah, there's just no excuse anymore. At this point we've realized that our defense or those guys are playing well despite our, our defensive coordinator, despite the coaching, um, not because of it. And, not you know, it wasn't just a case where we just needed a little bit of help. We needed the offense to stay out longer. We really just are not a good defense like we thought we were going to be. Well, that yeah, I mean, that kind of feeds my next point. I mean, why why should everyone be fired? And and basically it comes down to this. If, if you're going to succeed – at Kansas from a football perspective, you just absolutely have to have a staff that is going to squeeze out every last ounce of talent that they're, that they have from their players. I mean, you just, you have to have player development. I mean, there's, there's, there's schools all across the country that are continuously successful despite the fact that, you know, they're mostly hauling in three-star guys. I mean, K-State's been doing it for, for forever. I mean, you know, they get guys and a lot of times they're three, even, even two star guys coach them up. You know, they have a system in place. Guys put in their time, they get better every year. They become upperclassmen and they're ready to contribute. And I mean, schools like Iowa do that. Um, Wisconsin's an example too. I mean, you look at some of these schools, the recruiting classes and they're, they're not 
you know, insanely better than, than what Kansas is pulling in. And actually, and I did this a couple of years ago, and I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed. I mean, people were saying, oh, God, why can't Kansas recruit like they used to? Why can't Kansas get players like they used to? What? <laughs> what? Tell me what recruits we got that were that great. Todd Reesing, three stars. Uh, Marcus Henry, two stars. I, I mean, it was all – Tlaib was a two-star recruit. Charles Gordon was a three-star recruit. I mean – it's not like Mangino and, and the staff are going out and getting four and five star guys. They weren't. We've always been getting the same talent. The, the difference is, is we had coaches that were developing players and players were getting better, and you could see them just continuously getting better. And we, they got everything they could out of these players. And that's the type of staff that we have to have. I mean, we we absolutely have to have a staff that is going to, you know they're going to develop players because we're, we're never going to go out and get four and five star guys. We, we just aren't. And some people are like, Oh, David Beatty's going to bring in four and five star guys. Kansas isn't going to do that. They're, they're just not, they're not going to go out and get a lot of players like that. You have to have a staff that develops players and, and really finds ways to scheme and maximize their players talents from an X's and O's standpoint. And we don't have that. It's really obvious. We don't have that. And and that's that's just what we need. Period. That's what Kansas needs to be successful. Yeah, I, I definitely have have to agree with you on that. You know, I mean, this this recruiting class that we have has one five star and a couple four stars, if, if I remember correctly. But the way we've been playing and the way this is going, I don't, I just don't see how we hold on to them at this point. Um, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, it, I, I, I I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to see Beatty surviving the year. Um, or at least surviving the year without a huge amount of backlash from the fan base, because, you know, maybe our saving grace this year is the fact that Baylor is just absolutely horrible this year. I mean, they've lost their first two games at home to absolutely atrocious teams. And so there is a chance that Kansas is going to get a, uh, a, a big 12 win this year, just because Baylor is that bad. But I think we could get that win and still be, the worst team in the Big 12. I mean, I, honestly, I think this team could very well be worse than Baylor, but end up winning that game. Um, or the flip side is, is Baylor comes to town and beats us by 30, which, you know, is, is absolutely entirely possible. I mean, there's, there's also the, the off chance that, you know, the program is still kind of reeling from everything that happened in the past year you know, has a brand new coach that's breaking things in. And all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people, from a town perspective that they'd still be able to, you know, win several games and maybe even get a bowl. So, you know, who knows, but, but then when you could say a lot of people thought in that game. Yeah. I mean, you could also say a lot of people thought coming into Kansas was going to show improvement and win, you know, three or four games this year. And it's pretty clear that's probably not going to happen unless something just magically turns around. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, I, I agree. I think that we're at the point that unless we just go out and well, if we can go get a win against Ohio this week, I think maybe we'll see some stuff kind of turn around a little bit in terms of the fan sentiment. But I don't know that, that, that a win at Ohio will necessarily prove anything. It's really hard to say that I'd be upset if we got a road win. But, you know, unless we can get like two, two wins in the Big 12 and get to a four wins this year, I just don't see how after that embarrassment we had to CMU that we can consider this year a prog, you know, a progress. Even if we were to eke out a couple, a couple extra wins, 
Um, and you know, yeah, I mean, well, and, and the thing is too is you you gotta you gotta keep in mind. Uh, I mean, you gotta pay attention to how these you know what actually happens in these types of games. I mean, teams find ways to kind of luck into wins every now and then. It, it just happens. I mean. KU should have lost to Texas last year. I mean, people people like look back on this game, not us, but you know, casual fans like, oh yeah, you know, Texas came to town and we took them down. I'm like, we should have won that. We should have we should have lost that game by ten points. Like it was a borderline miracle we won that game. It just it was. I mean, if you look at any advanced metrics, you know, the win probability and all that going through the game. It's insane that we won that game. But you know what? Cool. Like, they, they still won. It's a W. That's great. I had a wonderful time celebrating it. But, you know, if we if we go out and beat Ohio on Saturday, and it's a game where, you know, Ohio fumbles the ball five times, we run three back for touchdowns, and, you know, just like some crazy stuff happens, you know, what does that really tell us? I mean, if we go out and we and we actually play well, and you know, beat them without a bunch of fluky stuff happens happening. I mean, I'll, I'll go back and kind of say, okay, like I'm willing to buy it a little more that Central Michigan game was maybe you know just like a bad game. And teams have bad games. I mean, Kansas basketballs had games where you know they were you know a very good team and lost to someone like. I don't know, like St. Joe's by 30, you know, it's like weird oh, stuff okay. happens sometimes. The YMCA game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, or the, or the TCU I mean, loss. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a perfect yeah. example, right? Of a good team just having a really horrible night and losing to a team they had no business losing to. I mean, yeah, I think, I think honestly, I don't know that losing to Central Michigan is, is necessarily, you know, like, like an, an unforgivable thing, but the fact that they were never competitive in the game is really what got to me at this point. And, and, and I do agree. I mean, if they, they could go and they could luck into a win against Ohio, um, you know, and that may, or that wouldn't really tell us anything. Even if they go and soundly beat Ohio, I don't know that that would necessarily tell me anything either because Ohio is supposed to be a much worse team this year, um, you know, than even Central Michigan. I know that the ratings have kind of come back similarly on them, but, you know, just talking with people that are, around the MAC programs and everything, they all seem to think that that Central Michigan was supposed to be a contender in the West this year, um, which usually the West is a lot better than the East. And so basically, if, if you contend in the West, then you're probably going to be contending for the uh, conference title. That Ohio was not supposed to be, you know, considered anywhere near that. I mean, and they went out and got completely stomped by Purdue last week. Uh, Ohio has not looked good at all this year. And so I think – I think going and beating Ohio, unless it's just a complete, you know, like a a blowout win by 30 points or something like that, isn't really going to make me feel any better about this team. Um, You know, just to see them get flat out embarrassed in that game, I just don't know how we're going to get over it without a big win somewhere. And that's going to require us to beat a team in the Big 12 that I I don't think we're going to have any business beating at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's still going to come down to me. I mean – how how we look against other league teams? I mean, because we're we're still at a point, and we we've, we've been we've been in this camp since since Mangino left, where you know we play um, play eight conference games, uh, or sorry, nine conference games, and you know at least six of them are just complete blowouts. I mean, every year, sometimes seven, 
And I mean, it seems like every, every year we, we just get absolutely crushed by everyone. We have one, maybe two close losses. And then sometimes we pick up a win. Um, I mean, you've got Colorado, West Virginia, Iowa state and Texas. So yeah, I mean, pretty much like one a year, except for two uh, post-Mangino years where we didn't win a league game at all. Or no, sorry, three, three post-Mangino years where we didn't win a league game at all. And then the other, the other four, you have one. So I mean, but but it's it's kind of the same story every time. I mean, maybe it, maybe not, a close loss, maybe two close losses, and then just annihilation. <laughs> and and really, I mean, that's 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 the thing for me is at some point. We don't even. How are you going to get to a point where you can win a couple league games? You've got to get to a point where you're not getting the crap kicked out of you every game, and we're still not even there. I mean, even even the bad. I mean, they, they weren't really bad compared to what we have now, but even the bad man, you know, teams. I mean, if you throw out if you throw out uh, his first year, I mean, can't really count that. He kind of inherited a little bit of a dumpster fire. He right. threw out his first year. Uh, Mangino's worst year was he went four and seven in 2004. Um, my my first year at KU, but even that year, I mean, we lost by three to Northwestern. Um, we had we were up like 31 to or 30. We were up like 30 to three against Texas Tech, and we blew that, and we lost by a point or two. Um, we there was the Texas game where we won the game. They just you know BCS dollar signs. I mean, so you're talking a team that a, a team that went four and seven. And again, this is his the worst year he had apart from his first year. But I mean, there's two two games they straight up should have won out of blue, Texas and Texas Tech. Northwestern game super close loss on the road. Um, I think Northwestern was kind of like a six and sixish team that year. I mean, they weren't terrible. So I mean. <laughs> we've got to get there. I mean, we've got to get, we've got to get to the point where we're not getting killed every game. And I mean, I think that's the scary thing here is, you know, we're not even, we're not even there yet. We're not even at the point where God, we might only win three or four games, but you know what? We're going to at least be in most games. We're going to at least have a shot in most games. I mean, we're not even close to that. And that's, that's the terrifying thing here. And, you know, if we're not even there in year three of Beatty, I mean, how is he the right guy? He hasn't even gotten us to the point where we're not getting embarrassed every game. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have to agree that I just don't see how Beatty gets us there. Um, I think it's a little early to be talking about who to bring in instead of Beatty, though, because, you know, I mean, we still have a lot of this year to get through. If we were to fire Beatty right now, who who would the interim coach be? I mean, I'd have to think it'd probably be Meacham, um, just because you know he's the guy you brought in who's getting the paid paid the most on the staff now. I believe. Um, I, I definitely don't want to see another interim year of Clint Bowen. Bowen. Um, I mean, I just don't know that you can pull the trigger even if they were to get blown out against Ohio at this point. But I don't know how you can get through the rest of this year with the staff that we have and have any shot at getting anybody that's respectable as a head coach after this year, if, if we were to fire him at the end of the year. So well, uh, the first step for you is you gotta, you gotta get a new AD first. I mean, obviously yeah, <laughs> you can't, you can't let step if we get there. And, and I mean, I could potentially see if we just get completely blown out against Ohio, maybe I could potentially see Zanger getting the boot at that point. Um, because, you know, that would give them time to kind of set up, let's find us a new AD and then have him 
have a you know chance to kind of look around before we get to the end of the season and have to hire someone real quick. Um, I'm definitely yeah, that buyout. That buyout makes it tough, though. Huh? But that buyout well, makes it tough. The one for for Beatty, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Uh, that was that was Zenger throwing himself a lifeline, and you know. Yeah. Kudos on him. <laughs> it's gonna. It's probably gonna buy him a, a, another year in March. I mean, we got played, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, and and of course, you know, Zenger got himself got extended before Bernadette Gray Little left, um, which buys him a little bit more time anyway. And then the fact that he's kind of tied himself in with 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 Coach Beatty, I think, is uh, kind of giving him a little bit more of an anchor, but. If this year, you know, finishes off the way this this season has started, um, I just don't know how either of them will survive it at the end of the year. So yeah, Zenger got that extension when um, what 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 good has he done for KU athletics again? I mean, let's let's, let's think I'm about this here. He, <laughs> yeah, he 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 didn't he didn't hire Bill Self, obviously. Okay, um, he hired Charlie Weiss, F minus. He hired David Beatty, F minus. Um, oh, how are non revenue sports doing? KU volleyball made the final four. Well, he didn't hire Bouchard. <laughs> what has he done? Granted, Bouchard has been here for I believe it's sixteen years. Long time. <laughs> He's been here a long time. No one's really I mean, I don't think you can say Luke Luke I thought he was here before Luke Perkins even got here. I mean, it's been a long time since Bouchard moved him in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and and I believe there was some talks uh, actually referencing Mike's uh, interview with uh, Jill Dorsey Hall. You know, she was talking about how there was some assistant coaches that got hired, and that's when the turnaround kind of happened. So I don't even know that it was necessarily all Bouchard. It's, you know, the fact that we had some good assistants, but I, I still believe even that was before Zenger's time. So it's not like Zenger has really put, you know, too much uh, of a stamp on any of the programs other than the football program. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's bad stamps, terrible stamps. I mean, obviously, he was involved with, right. with with renovations, and he was a big part of making sure that Rock Chalk Park um, was was kind of finished off and we were able to move everything in there. But And he's done good in terms of fundraising, but a lot of that was tied into this, you know, optimism around David Beatty being able to turn the program around and – you know, if that doesn't happen, if we don't get that turnaround, how likely are those donors to be to to donate again when the next time we need a big project? I mean, this this kind of performance from the football team could potentially burn a lot of bridges with a lot of people that got excited about the program, and it's starting to look like they were sold, you know, a pile of goods at this point that they aren't going to get anything that they thought they were going to get, and I just don't. I mean. Yeah, it's nice to have all the shiny new facilities, and it's going to be helpful for whatever coach actually comes back. And, I mean, I remember one of our old podcasts I was talking about, these are the kind of, you know, investments you want to make into facilities instead of coaches. But when you whiff this badly on this many coaches in a row, it puts a power on the whole program that I just don't know how you get over it, especially when you've been, you know, um, selling people on the improvement that's coming in the program, and it just hasn't happened. And so I think Zenger's going to have to go at this point if this doesn't get turned around real quick just for people to be able to get excited about any of the programs again, other than, of course, you know, basketball and volleyball that are doing just fine on their own. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think 
I agree that I think people are are really going to turn on him. But you know, it, it's kind of, and we've talked about this on the site. I think you know people people are going to turn on Zenger regardless. And so when, when he hired Beatty, that was his second hire at KU. And I mean, he from that point on, his fate was tied to Beatty, it, it, straight up. Like that was it. And you know, they're they're attached. And you know, on one hand, to your point about fundraising. I think it's remarkable how how much he was able to parlay one league win over Texas into so much just blind like optimism. I mean, every every time you talk about KU football, I it's hilarious too because when I moved to Cincinnati, you know, someone's like, oh, people are like, oh, you went to KU, and and one or two people are like, hey, you guys beat Texas last year. And I'm like, yeah, we did. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you guys are on the up and up. I'm like, it's one win. <laughs> it's one game. It's one game against a, a team that wasn't that good and had quit on its opponent. And oh, you beat Texas. This isn't Vince Young's Texas. This isn't Colt McCoy's Texas. This was a bad team. Maybe not bad, but I mean. No, it was a bad low average. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, I mean. The next after we beat them, they went out the next week and got absolutely smoked by TCU, the same TCU that we, you know, nearly beat ourselves. I mean, everyone, oh, you beat Texas, and all of a sudden, you know, there's all this momentum, and oh, you beat Texas, and here you go, and do we need to drum up some money? Sure. Hey, donors, did you guys see we beat Texas? Oh my God, we beat Texas, and what? How does that outweigh the t- ten other games <laughs> you lost in? I, I mean, it, it's just remarkable. I mean, seriously, if KU goes out and loses by 20 points to Texas last year, do we have this whole $300 million renovation and all this stuff? I legitimately don't think we do. I, I think it, I, I've never seen I've never seen a, a program, a fan base, just everyone so just completely, massively overreact to one win. It's just insane. I mean, we want to make fun of K-State for making VHS, you know, selling T-shirts when they beat KU in basketball and having their VHS tapes and all that. And it's hilarious. That that pales in comparison to KU's reaction to beating a mediocre Texas team in football. It, it is just absolutely insane. And, and, you know, like you said, the donors are all going to turn on, on Zanger and Beatty when, when KU goes 1-11 this year you know, two and 10, if we get a miracle, they're going to go, Oh my God, you promised us progress. And, and what happened? And the reality is, is they weren't good last year. They had a fluke win. They didn't really improve much. They did about the same this year as they did last year. What were you expecting? I mean, we all hoped that K would be better, but honestly, is anyone really like super surprised that they're not? I'm not. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of the more optimistic people you'll find, you know, like I, I've been telling friends and family, I'm like, KU, man, this year, I think we could steal a couple of wins. I think we could win, you know, some games, scare some people, who knows, like crazier things have happened. I mean, they made a bowl in Mangino's second year, kind of out of nowhere, like who knows? And, but, but you know, we, when we go out and get killed by Central Michigan, there's not one part of me. That's, I'm just kind of like, yep, <laughs> that, uh, that, Yep, there it is. So, I mean, it's just – it's insane to me. It's crazy to me how so many people just bought so in after beating Texas and a game that they kind of just handed to us. I mean, 
and you know here we are and yeah people are going to turn on on Zenger and they should because he's been terrible he's made two terrible hires uh and we're a school that can't afford to do that um especially compared to other schools and yeah people are going to turn on him but why what were you kind of thinking in the first place I mean that's my reaction yeah I mean and I think really that overreaction as you called it is indicative of a fan base that cares too much about football and hasn't really had anything positive to cling to. I mean, that's really what it was is that, you know, we were looking for something positive to cling to and to use to move forward with. And that win over Texas was, you know, was that it was a big win for us because obviously it was our first, well, it was the only big 12 win of the Beatty era. Um, it was over a team that was, you know, that heavily was was heavily favored, and even though they weren't performing as well as they usually do in that year, it is still a big name school, you know, in a game that we were huge underdogs that had a big comeback that went to overtime was really exciting, and actually watching that game, you know, I was I was actually watching my kids play. They were playing their, uh, they were playing in the championship game for their, you know, little league football. Um, and I, you know, I had, kind of, I was kind of halfway paying attention, um, to, to the KU Texas game thinking, you know, well, there's really no way that we're going to even be competitive in this game. And then as it stayed closer, I kept checking back in and wondering, you know, well, when is the other shoe going to drop? When is Texas finally going to go ahead and pull away? And then they didn't. And just the disbelief there, you know, while my kids are playing in their championship game, I'm too busy following the KU Texas game because it was just so compelling to watch them be able to come back and make that drive down there to tie the game and go into overtime and then to win it in overtime. Um, luckily it happened, you know, early enough that I could catch the end of my kid's game, but it just, that was kind of the, the spark that we needed to see. Oh, well this team potentially could do something. You know, this, this fan base is so starved for a football team that is at least competent that they're willing to latch on to any kind of success that they can have. And that's a great thing for a fan base, you know, to even though, and, and, and maybe part of it is, you know, a lot of these guys are also, or a lot of these fans have also been Royals fans for so long that are just been stomped down by the mediocrity there. Um, for so long, you know, for 30 years, and then they finally go ahead and win a World Series. So they've seen a program that can just be so seemingly out of it for so long, all of a sudden have a lot of good success and build something really quickly. Um, and so they're, they're starved for that. They're looking for any sort of sign that we're getting that, that turnaround. The problem is, is that when, you, when you're that, you know, starved for it, it's really easy to get a lot of false starts in terms of building that excitement before we're actually, you know, should be getting that excitement. I saw an article um, randomly just kind of clicking through stuff the other day talking about the Syracuse football team and how they, you know, have half, half empty fans and their home openers. They've been having, uh, having a really hard time filling the seats because of, you know, there's like uh, state fairs and, and other things going on. And one of the responses that one of the guys said was, you know, this fan base is absolutely horrible. You know, they have, they have absolutely, uh, you know, no support for the team or anything like that. And someone made the argument, which is a fair point, that when you have a team that hasn't done anything, that hasn't shown any life, it doesn't show that they, they're, they're fans that they care, you know, very well. As a program, it's hard to get people to buy in, especially when there's so much else going on. There's so many other sports teams. There's so many activities. Everybody has their own day-to-day -day life. It's hard to get excited about a program that hasn't done anything. 
what we've seen is that there are still tons of people that are, you know, diehard KU football fans, even though they haven't really given them any, anything to really celebrate in the last 10 years or longer. Um, you know, so to see that, to see that the fan base is still holding on, even though there's a basketball, you know, team that's been absolutely phenomenal for the school, uh, is, is definitely a positive development. But, right, we're getting to the point, I think, that, you know, we're going to go almost an entire – I mean, it's, it's, it's been a decade now since this team was, was a decent team. And if we go too much longer, we're going to get past the point where people remember that there's the potential for this team to actually be good. We have got to do something to get some decent success at this point. And I just – I mean – Texas was a, a sign that maybe it's possible, um, but like you said, you know that was kind of a fluke win. Um, if we didn't get that win, I think, uh, you know, Beatty wouldn't have gotten his extension. I don't think we'd have Meacham at this point. We probably wouldn't have gotten half the recruits that we did, and our recruiting class wouldn't look anything like it, it does right now, regardless of how long we're able to hold on to them. So I, I said it. I said it earlier this year that that Texas win. You know, we're never going to forget about that Texas win. People are always going to bring it up because it's either going to be the sign that, you know, the program is starting to turn around or it's going to be literally the only highlight in the last, you know, seven years or so. And who knows how much longer before the program actually does turn around. It's going to be the biggest, you know, highlight for us at that point. So, um, you know, yeah, we're never going to forget about that win. People are going to be talking about it for a long time because it's either going to be like, ha-ha, Texas, you lost to an absolutely horrible team, and that was really the only, you know, big win that they had, or it's going to be, you know, the spark that we needed um, to get the program going. Obviously, after losing to, to Central Michigan the way we did, it's really hard to imagine that that's going to be that spark. But, you know, <laughs> maybe we can get lucky and that turns out to just be growing pains from all the new people we brought in. I'm not confident it's going to happen, but yeah, I, I just, I don't, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Cause I just, I don't know how else we can, we can really approach that um, and actually feel good about it. So could that game, could that game though, in, in the grand scheme of things, hurt us though. <laughs> I mean that's the thing you have to start worrying about now. Sure. Because like you said, I I don't think I don't think that uh Beatty gets that extension without that win. I, I just in fact I I I'm promise you that it doesn't Oh definitely happen. not, right. And, yeah, and so we're at a situation now where, you know, it looks like I mean, like I said, if I'm wrong about this, no one will be happier than me. I think most people can agree to that, but you know, if we're at a point now where we basically have a, you know, dead man walking as our head coach and we know he's not the guy and, you know, we made it harder to fire him and made it harder to get rid of our AD, who's the worst AD in America. I mean, like as great as the Texas win was because of the massive overreaction to it, it's a possibility that in the long run, it actually sets our program back further because, we're we're stuck with a bad coach and bad AD longer, and you know who knows. I mean, we'll we'll have to see how it shakes out. But you know, it's crazy to me because at the time I was like, you know, just like you said, I was like, oh my god. I mean, I remember talking to my parents after the game because they you know called me. They're like, oh my god, you guys want a football game? And I was like, you guys have no idea how badly we needed this win. Like. Just you, you, you can't understand unless you're a KU fan just how absolutely 
badly we needed to win this game, <laughs> or, you know, or any game like it. I'm like, we needed this win so bad. And it's just, you know, it's hilarious to me that, it, you know, it's the most Kansas football thing ever that we've gone from being like, oh, my God, we needed to win this game so bad. It's already, you know, just four games later being like, oh, crap, actually, that win may have screwed us over. <laughs> that's just that's, that's the most Kansas football thing ever. Right. That's really saying something. I mean, the program has been in really bad shape to think that something like that could put the program in even worse shape. That I mean, that's just absolutely horrible. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, stop dwelling on that at this point. Let's move off. Uh, well, kind of, I guess, moving off. Not really. Um, I, I actually had put out a call for us to get some questions for the podcast tonight. And we got a couple. I'm going to go ahead and jump to them right now. The first one kind of goes along the same vein of what we're talking of what we've been talking about, but um, it comes from Kevin Courtney at at R C J H K E V E N. Kevin, um, he's saying. Beatty's moving KU football in the right direction. When can we hold him and the team accountable to start winning must-win games like against CMU? Now, I don't know if he was being sarcastic when he's saying that, you know, we're moving KU football in the right direction. But, I mean, is it is it too early to hold him accountable for not winning games like this? I mean, no. I, I can't think of any no. reason why it wouldn't be. But No, it's, 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 year, it's year three. I mean, it, and again, I mean – there's no one who understands that Beatty inherited a really bad situation more than me. Like, you know, trust me. I mean, as someone like, like me or, or yourself or, you know, the people on the site, I mean, we, we follow the team and every little nuance of the team much more than, you know, a lot of casual fans because we're narcissists and we love KU football for some reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm still wondering uh, why I keep doing this myself, but – yeah, and unrelated, I drink all the time. But anyways, uh, no, I mean, there's there's no one who understands the situation he inherited more than us. I mean, a lot of casual fans would be like, oh, my God, he went 0-12, you know, and, and not taking into account that, like, he inherited just a freaking mess from life. So, I mean, like, j- just throwing that out there, we understand what he inherited and the uphill climb he had. I mean, no one understands that more than you and I and, and a lot of the regulars. Having said that, it's year three. It's year three now. It's year three. He he went out. He got his transfer at quarterback. You know, he he got rid of some of the troublemakers. You know, that were causing so much problems on his team. Uh, he he's he, it's his team now. It, it's his team. He went out and he he got you know got the new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, he's got his his buddy Bowen still coaching defense, even though he's terrible. I mean, it, it's year three. It's his team. I mean. If if Mangino can make a bowl game in his second year, and this you know, and really the only reason he didn't in his third year is because we were just at you know, our quarterbacks just got decimated by injuries. And we had some fluky, really bad luck games in like four games. We should have won, we lost. But apart from that, Mangino was bowling in year two, year four, should have probably been in year three. If he can do that, I mean we should be able to win baby in year three should be able to win three games, four games, right? He should be able to beat a, beat a Mac team at home. I mean, I don't think that's unimaginable. No more excuses. Yes. Yes. Hold them accountable. There's no reason we can't hold them accountable at this point. So, all right. And so I'm going to jump into the other, the other question that we had, it has absolutely nothing to do with Kansas football. 
Thank goodness. It comes from uh, Scott Chasen, our uh, you know KU uh, contributor for Lawrence Journal World. Um, you know, he he actually appeared on the other po- the Journeyman podcast that uh, our newest contributor Blair Blair Shade uh, started up last week. But it was it's uh, great to to have him give us a question here. His question, and I'll let you go ahead and answer it first. It kind of threw me for a loop this afternoon was for two words to rhyme do the last syllables have to match or the whole word and he would follow that up with balloon and neptune don't feel like they rhyme hmm. that's a <laughs> that's a really interesting question exactly it's an awesome uh, question now i'll go ahead and jump in um because i would have to say that while he doesn't think that they feel like they rhyme they absolutely do um, the definition of words rhyming is literally that the last syllable has the same sound. So, um, you know, they both have that oon at the end. And so by definition, they do rhyme. Now, there can definitely be some very awkward rhymes um, where, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like it is. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely say that uh, it's just those last syllables. I, I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head where it just sounds awkward, but they actually still rhyme. But, but that literally is the dictionary definition of it. So. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, you know, would a rapper use the words together to, to complete a rhyme in a song? <laughs> Most likely. And if so, it rhymes to me. Although I'm wondering what song would use balloon and Neptune in it. <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, so yeah, just you know, a little awkward question to kind of finish this off. So let's. Um, any any other thoughts before we end for the evening? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the only the only thing I think that's you know left to be said is is moving forward. I mean, it's I'm almost more fascinated by the the Ohio game now than I was you know a few weeks ago, just because the 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 you know, Central Michigan game, just like, I, I just like, I'm still just kind of like in shock <laughs> over what happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I was kind of expecting no matter what for the game to be fairly close. And so I, I was kind of in that boat of like, Oh man, you know, like maybe we'll, we'll beat Central Michigan by like one score. Maybe we'll lose them by one score, but that's kind of what I was expecting to happen. So, you know, I was kind of going into it. I was like, I bet both, both games we have against Mac opponents are kind of like, you know, close games, coin flip type games. And, you know, if they lose to central Michigan, I'm going to be angry, but you know, if it's a close game and you know, whatever, like I, I won't lose too, too much hope. I'll see how they rebound. But now I'm just kind of like, Holy crap. Like what is going to happen on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, like just because, I mean, after that, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of thinking like, are, are we going to go lose by 30, 40 points? to a Mac team. I mean, on the other hand, you're like, you know, trying to remain hopeful and optimistic that maybe last week was just some crazy, horrible, you know, aberration and maybe we'll even win. I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting that now, but uh, it's just, you know, shame on me for, cause I'll, I'll, I'll turn the game on. I'll watch it. I'll get angry, but I'll still watch it. God have mercy on my soul. Right. I think at this point, the easiest way to sum up the Kansas football uh, program is that it's a complete train wreck. You just absolutely can't look away. No matter how much you may want to, no matter how much it hurts, you just can't look away from the train wreck. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Maybe, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sounds like a good parting parting thought. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know what? I think we have a uh, episode title at this point too. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Um, you know, the one thing I didn't mention, obviously, uh, you know, it, it was a horrible way to end the weekend. Not only did uh, did we drop the football game, but that evening we had the final matchup of the Jayhawk Invitational, where the volleyball team got swept in straight sets by Creighton. Um, didn't end up hurting them too bad because they were able to beat Purdue the night before, and of course they beat North Carolina um, early in the week. So they actually only dropped a couple spots in the poll today. Um, but it was a little disappointing, especially coming off of the the football game. I was expecting to see a good match in the volleyball, um, you know, volleyball after that, and it just didn't happen. So it kind of made a day even worse. Um, and then to follow that up, Kansas soccer got completely shut out or got completely shut down. I believe they lost five to one after that. So uh, it was not a good day at all for the Kansas athletics. Um, Freaking Creighton. What did, what did we do to piss them off? God. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of those teams that just seems to have our number. We beat them in the regular season last year, but they, you know, they beat us in the NCAA tournament here at Kansas. Uh, and then we turn around and have them again here at Kansas, and we just can't seem to do it. We should, uh, we should schedule them in football, get some revenge. Yeah, do they even have a football team? I don't know. I don't think so. That's why, that's why I made the joke. Uh, which means, you know, basketball. There we go. Bring them in basketball, and then we'll have all kinds of fun getting revenge. All right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Um, thank you for joining me tonight, Grad. And for those of you listening, we will be back for another episode probably uh, Friday and we'll be talking about the Ohio game and then hopefully we'll have a more positive spin to put on it. So once again, thanks, thanks for listening and uh, we will catch you next time on the Rock Shock Talk podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.